everyone, and welcome to Fiercely Pursuing the Truth. My name is Maureen McDonald, and I have been a holistic registered nurse for over 40 years, and I'm the founder of Millions Against Medical Mandates. And Millions Against Medical Mandates was started because we wanted to build collaboration in the health and freedom movement nationwide. So together, we could end mandates. So today I have a very special guest and we're gonna discuss this concept of building collaboration and the success it can bring about on a local level. So the point of today and one of my goals is that other communities can do what we did here with the help of attorney Lakota Denton uh, here in Asheville, North Carolina. We need to begin to change the narrative. And as Abe Lincoln said, public sentiment is everything. So by getting the truth out, we can, uh, we can help change public opinion about what's really going on. So I'd like to welcome attorney Lakota Denton and I'd like to just read your brief bio. Uh, Lakota Denton is an Asheville based attorney specializing in personal injury litigation. He has been in practice for himself since 2012. In 2019, Lakota successfully struck down a health department stay at home order enforced upon 105 children who chose not to be vaccinated against chickenpox. He chooses cases where he can help people advocate for their rights. So it's really my pleasure and my honor to welcome my friend and colleague, uh, Lakota Denton. Thank you, Lakota. Thank you. Thanks, Maureen. I appreciate that introduction. Happy to be here. Yeah. So we did have a recent wonderful win recently, and it all started uh, by people in the community coming together, um, unifying, collaborating, and saying, what can we do to help our community here in Asheville, North Carolina, really um, understand and open up to what's to what's really going on, the injustices of, of the mandates, forced vaccines, masking our children and so on. And that led to us meeting you and um, the idea of defending some city workers who had decided that these mandates were not just and they were gonna refuse to get vaccinated or uh, do recurrent testing. So. Can you tell us a little bit about when you stepped in and, and what you did to show our community here um, what can be done when we work together and, and hold people's feet to the fire and show what's really going on? Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, I, I think what we all have been doing since the start of COVID is, is looking for ways to push back. And, and as an attorney, it's a little, it's a little uh, reverse engineering to be looking for a case to push back as opposed to what normally happens is someone calls me and they have a problem and, and I use my skills to try and help them. You know, what we were doing is we were looking for a way to push back. And for a long time, it was challenging. I, I didn't see a successful way to push back on um, vaccine mandates or mask mandates or, you know, lockdowns. Um, and, and I think the biggest reason was twofold. Pushing back on those things um, as a lawyer, um, 
at first, it, it really meant arguing that all those things are unconstitutional. And, and better lawyers than me were, were arguing those things in North Carolina and, and not being very successful. Um, at the end of the day, those things tend to come down to how a judge is gonna treat your argument. And if you're arguing these things are unconstitutional, um, you may be legally correct, um, but that does not mean a judge or a court of appeals or Supreme Court of North Carolina will agree with you. Um, so that, that was not a very successful avenue. Um, and so as a group, we, we started brainstorming, you know, how else can we push back? And I think some, some friends of mine and some friends of, of yours um, knew that the, the firefighters in Asheville were really up in arms because they were about to be told that all city employees um, needed to either be vaccinated against COVID or do a, a test every week that they had to pay for and they had to go and find. And the firefighters were really pushing back hard and, and quite loud and, and many, many, many of them, um, hundreds of them were, were unhappy with this policy for, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, so so we- Even the vaccinated. Yeah, even, even the vaccinated people were unhappy because it felt discriminatory and it, it felt to them that it was dividing their, their people, their, their unit. Um, and the same with the city of Asheville police were, were feeling the same way. And so we looked at how we could help them. And um, it turns out that the city employees in Asheville have um, a special um, law where if you're a city employee and you get fired, you can go through a, a grievance procedure. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot like a grievance procedure you would see a union contract would have. And basically right. you, can, you can file a grievance if you get fired and that grievance can go up the chain of command. But what was really great about this grievance procedure and, and which is what we're using is that this procedure allows you to file a petition to Superior Court of North Carolina, which is, is you know, the, the most common courtroom for um, litigation in North Carolina. It's the one that I practice in and um, I'm familiar with. And so if you get fired as a City of Asheville employee, you can appeal all the way up to Superior Court and have a full-blown legal case where you have a trial, it can be by a jury or by a judge. You get to do depositions. You get to get information from the other side. And it, it's a very thorough, in-depth litigation to it, determine it, if, if people were fired for a good cause. Yeah, I just want to interrupt you there for one second, because this was so fascinating when you, I mean, I, I should know this, but I didn't, um, how different the, the, the hearing was to going to trial for that very reason that you can depose uh, people for the trial and and really hold their feet to the fire without interruption. So can you explain a little bit about how critical that is to this situation? Yeah, and just to give a little context, you know, what, what we did is we had a hearing, which is like an administrative hearing in front of a board. That is not a lawsuit. That, right. that was just this kind of semi-formal hearing um, what, what a lawsuit would entail is, is something called discovery. 
and, and discovery is the whole process of exchanging information before you go to trial. And discovery includes taking depositions of important people in the case. It includes asking for important documents from the other side. It includes asking the other side to admit or deny certain things in, in written questions. So there, there is a pretty amazing amount of depth involved in what we are going to ask the city. Now we're in the we're in that point. We've we filed that appeal. Um, we are going to be asking the city to provide us with all kinds of information on why their vaccine mandate policy was put in place, why it remained in place, um, how many vaccinated employees got COVID. Um, so, you know, I can go through some of the details of what I'm going to be asking them, but just, just to put it broadly, um, you know, after we lost the hearing on the mandate, we were arguing that the mandate was not based in science and not, didn't make any sense. Um, and, and we lost the hearing, which we knew we would lose the hearing because, you know, the, the civil service board was not real friendly to our argument. Well, I, I don't think you lost it. <laughs> I mean, well, they, we lost they the shut hearing, it but, down. But then the city, yeah, they shut us down. But a week later, the city dropped their vaccine mandate. Um, and, yeah. and we were happy to see that. Um, that I, isn't I, a loss. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to think that we had a lot to do with that. I, I don't know for certain, but I have to think that the kinds of questions that I was asking city officials during that hearing caused them to really think about their vaccine policy in more depth than they had? Yeah, they couldn't answer a lot of your questions. I mean, I was able to listen to part of your uh, drilling them or holding their feet to the fire. And it was astounding to me how a director of public health for an entire county and the human resource, uh, the head of human resources were so um, unfamiliar with the science and um, studies that have been done showing that, you know, the vaccinated still transmit this virus and they still can get infected. And um, it just, they, they really didn't have uh, a good understanding or a wide scope of understanding about this infection. And yet they were subjecting all these people, all these city workers to these uh, rules and regulations that they couldn't substantiate. Yeah, and so I represented five city workers, um, a couple of firefighters, a police, um, sanitation worker, and uh, parks and rec workers. And they were fired because they didn't get the vaccine and they didn't want to do this weekly testing. Right. Um, so, you know, our arguments at that hearing, which again, we, we knew that the board was not going to really listen to much of what we said, but um, the arguments were basically you know, this policy requires everyone to get vaccinated or get tested if you're unvaccinated. Why are you requiring vaccines when we all know that vaccines don't stop transmission? Mm -hmm. And and basically their response was, well, they do stop transmission. Then mm. my response every time was, okay, did you bring any data or any studies or any literature or any academic journal articles or anything at all that supports the idea that vaccines stop the transmission of COVID. And every time I asked for data, every time I asked for information or a study, they said, no, we don't have that. CDC says it. Yeah, and, and they said, well, that's what the CDC recommends. 
And, and so I would follow up and I say, okay, well, did the CDC give you any data to support that recommendation? Do, do you have any articles showing if and how much the vaccine stops the spread of COVID? And every time I asked, they said, no, we don't have that data. Mm. And so I essentially said, you know, your policy is not based on any data. It's not based on any science. It's just based on your idea that vaccines stop the spread of transmission. Even though I pointed out to them many, many instances where the CDC admits that the vaccines do not stop the spread of COVID. Right. You know, the CDC, it's, it's, it's astounding to me because people like to use the information from the CDC for excuses like they gave you, but they're not looking at the fact that the CDC laid a claim that only 6% of COVID deaths are actually due solely to COVID. People seem to forget that. And there are other things, you know, on the CDC website, you can find the VAERS report, or it's not easy, but you can get there to the VAERS report from the CDC, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, where, you know, the CDC is saying that over 23,000 deaths have occurred as a result of people being uh, getting these injections. And um, that there's over a million, I think it's up to 1.8 million serious adverse reactions. This is, this is CDC, you know, you can get this information through the CDC. So it's, it's just amazing to me how people use it for one side of their argument, but they're not seeing the whole picture. I, yeah, I think, I think what is happening, and, and this is after cross-examining the director of public health for our county, and cross-examining the, the city HR director. Here's what I think is happening. They are relying on the conclusions of the state health department and the Centers for Disease Control. They are not questioning those conclusions. They're not looking for what those conclusions are based upon. They're not asking if those conclusions make any practical sense. They are simply parroting what they're hearing from the CDC. So a, a good example is, um, you know, the CDC recommends vaccination as the best way to protect yourselves against COVID-19, right? That's probably on their website a hundred times. And so I asked the public health director, um, okay, what is the vaccine effective against? And, and she said, well, it stops the spread of transmission and it stops people from being hospitalized and stops people from dying. I said, well, do you have any data that it actually stops the transmission. And, and she was just like, well, what are you talking about? The CDC says this is effective. I, I don't, she, she was genuinely shocked that I asked that question. And, and so, and, and the same with the HR director, she, her position was, listen, we're just doing what authorities are telling us to do. We, we, why would we question that? Why would we look into that any deeper? Why would we think about how that applies? And so what's happening is, a lot of us want to know what the recommendations are based on. We want to know what is behind the recommendations. We want to know the data. We want to know the actual information underlying what's going on. And our health officials don't. They don't want to know what's underlying the opinions. They don't want to know what's backing it up. They just want to tell us what to do because they're being told what to do. Right. And that's concerning. It's very concerning because 
you know, there was a comment I was reading on the really great article that our local journalist um, covered uh, what's been going on, what you've been doing. And um, one of the comments from someone in our community was that, uh, you know, you can't question these things. This is insubordination. And I thought to myself, dear God, what kind of world are we living in when I just told you 23,000, probably many more people as a nurse to hear there's never been a product in the history of mankind that caused that kind of death and damage. And, and you know, it's, of course, people have to question whether they should take this or not. And yet, <clears throat> because they did question and took it all the way to the point where they were terminated, um, that's considered insubordination to question what the ingredients are, what the effect is, um, why I need to take something that isn't effective. <laughs> I mean, that's just our, our right as a human, as, as living in a democracy. Um, we, we must question these things. So I found it just fascinating that people use that word, that people were, you know, these firefighters or city yeah. workers were insubordination. Well, and, and that's the, the tone that I got in this hearing in front of the Civil Service Board. And I'm sure I will continue to get that tone as I go through depositions. And that tone is, you know, Lakota, why are you asking these questions? What, what, what are you doing? And, and I felt like the, the public health director and the HR director, frankly, they were a bit shocked that I was asking some of these questions because I don't think anyone's asked them mm. these kinds of questions ever. So, so a good example, uh, you know, one of the first questions I asked the HR director, you know, she, she's implemented this vaccine or test policy. They've fired five people over it. It's been in place for six months. And I just said, um, Ms. Ms. Barrett, um, has this policy been effective? And she said, uh, I, 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 that, 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 that's a hard question to answer. And I said, well, um, isn't that the most important question that we're gonna deal with today is the, the policy that fired these five people, did it prevent the spread of COVID like you said it was going to? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, do you have any data? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I said, do you have any data? that it prevented the spread. She said, no. I said, are you even keeping data? Are you tracking who gets COVID and who doesn't get COVID? And are any vaccinated people getting COVID? Are any unvaccinated people getting COVID? She's not even tracking that data. No. Her response was, well, anecdotally, my observation is that less people have gotten COVID because of our mandate. And, and so th that's it. They're basing a policy. They're firing five people. They're basing a policy that affects hundreds of people they're basing that on the, the personal observations of one person who created the policy. So again, why would we not question that? And, and, and you see that when, when I start to question it, like basic question, has this policy been effective? They can't even answer that question. Mm -hmm. Or is there any data to support your policy? They can't answer that question. I asked her, have you ever seen a study or a journal article or any data anywhere in the world that supports the idea that employer vaccine mandates reduce COVID. 
And she, no, she'd never seen anything like that. Neither had the Buncombe County Health Director. No one had ever seen any data that this policy would ever work. And yet they've implemented it. They fired five people over it. They, they know that vaccines don't stop the spread of COVID. They even admit that on occasion. Um, but again, this is what your point was. People think you're being insubordinate if you question what's going on. Mm. And if, if we don't question everything that's going on, everything up and down the line and make sure it makes sense, then, then we're gonna lose all our rights. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I don't know your backstory, but I moved to Asheville area 16 years ago from New Jersey. And I moved here because I met so many open-minded, progressively oriented people in all walks of life. And I was fascinated by that musicians and artists and academics and everybody was open to discussing everything and challenging everything. And it was kind of like um, that just, it was, it was refreshing. And when COVID hit, uh, I'm sure like many other places, both conservative and progressive around the world, but I was astounded that our sweet little open-minded progressive community really fell in lockstep with the fear-mongering and the mask wearing and the vaccine mandates and the, the testing, the testing, just question the testing. I mean, just look at how many uh, false positives come from the PCR test. I mean, all you have to do is a little research on the person who invented the PCR test. And you find that he said it was never indicated for something like this. And when you amplify it above 25, 26, which here in our community was up around 45, 46, of course you're gonna find fragments of a, of a virus, but it can't tell the difference between a flu or a COVID infection. So I was never, you know, I don't have my PhD. I didn't go on to get a doctorate, but um, I have a lot of common sense. And so I do question things and I just found it hard to believe that in this liberal, progressive, open-minded community of ours, uh, people fell prey to the fear rather than going into that questioning mode, like you're saying. And that's why you're so amazing, <laughs> um, because you really are in, in alignment with that way of living, that way of thinking. Yeah, so, I mean, I shared a pretty similar story. Um, I have, yeah, I mean, first of all, nobody on the political spectrum has any kind of copyright on, on open-mindedness that mm. I've seen, right? It, people all over the place are closed-minded and open-minded. I don't think it has anything to do with what, what we're being told is, is left or right or whatever those distinctions are. But here's, here's a, something that I, my favorite part about being a lawyer and being able to ask these kinds of questions is you, you have your, your surface level understanding of what's going on, which is what you, you, you described, which is um, people are kind of following like, oh, masks, vaccines, that's how you stop it, lockdown, those kinds of, you know, accepted ideas, at least up until recently, very accepted ideas. Well, being a lawyer, I, I think I get to be open-minded and I get to say, well, I haven't made up my mind based on what the authorities are telling me, I'm gonna make up my mind based on 
data and information, right? And, and actual studies. And so I get to ask these kinds of questions and I get to do in this hearing, I get to do it in a legal setting where the, the, the authorities telling us what to do, they have to answer my questions. I mean, they're under oath. And so I think it's the most open-minded practice to simply ask questions, prodding questions of the people creating policies and say, mm -hmm. hey, does this policy make sense? What is it based on? Is it consistent? Um, is when's it gonna stop? When 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 did it start? Why why is it in place? Who who gave you data to support? Right, that that is the most open minded way to approach this. Is is to say I want to know why, and and everyone has a right to ask why they're being told to do something. Um, you know, a, a good example is you know my son is in third grade, and um, you know, we had a conference with his teacher recently and she, she was kind of like, well, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of asking why we have to do things, you know, <laughs> and, um, certainly there's a respectful way to ask, right. right. You know, I, I don't want my nine-year-old to, to be, um, disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really his job to make the teacher's job easy. Right. It, it, it's his job to be respectful and, and certainly um, be helpful and, and empathetic and all those things. But yeah, it is his job to ask why. And, and that's fair. And, and um, I'm really trying to avoid, I, I feel like I've never said to my son, because I said so. Right. Because right? Right. That, that's, that's how we kind of got into this thing with COVID is because I said so. Mm -hmm. and, and so I want him asking why, I'm gonna ask why, and I'm gonna do it respectfully. I'm not gonna right. um, patronize, I'm not gonna insult or demean people because people have different opinions and different ideas and I value that. Um, but my practice is to drill down all the way down to why and all the questions that are included in why. Mm -hmm. And I think when I did that in this hearing, I think we saw not only that the witnesses had a hard time answering the questions, um, but the, the, the chair, the, the board who, who was making a decision on the case, I, th I think he saw them get very uncomfortable and it's very taboo to ask why. Right, um, exactly. But really, and really important. Yes, incredibly important. And you know, I had the experience of asking why before the county commissioner's meetings and the school board meetings here in Buncombe County. And I just, I couldn't believe the response, actually the lack of response that we were getting from these boards. And I thought these people are representing us. And then I began to learn about the CARES Act and how money from the government was coming into these county boards and these school boards in the millions and the millions. So when people, you know, concerned parents and grandparents like myself and concerned citizens are before these boards and they're baffled by the lack of response they're getting, they really have to look at um, the money that's being funneled in. And the reason they have blank faces with their, you know, masks all pulled up is because they know that that money depends on them complying uh, with government rules and they can't ask questions or that money will dry up. 
So it's, you know, the old adage of follow the money. And uh, I just think that is, is really what's going on behind the scenes. And it's why we're not getting the type of good responses and good answers from these so-called representatives, people we've elected in many cases, um, they're not representing us. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and, you know, I was thinking about what kind of a response would I, would I like to hear that, that could maybe change my mind on, on a vaccine policy? I mean, setting aside the idea that, that any employer can, can require you to do any medical treatment. Obviously, I disagree with that. That's a, that's a constitutional argument. But, you know, if I ask them, hey, has this policy been effective, right? You're requiring people either to get a vaccine or get a test. Has it been effective? I would like them to be able to say, yes, we have tracked the case numbers mm -hmm. since the beginning of the policy. And I can tell you that after the policy, the number of cases went down 82%. Or I can tell you that after the policy, um, you know, vaccinated people were, were not getting COVID from unvaccinated people or whatever the, the data would be. Right, that, that's what I, or, or if they said, yeah, listen, there's, there's three studies cited in New England Journal of Medicine and every one of these studies point to a school or an employer that put in a mandate and reduced COVID and reduced hospitalizations, reduced deaths, reduced cases and made everyone healthier. Right. I would like to hear that, but there's a reason they're not telling me that data and that information. It's not because they haven't found it. It's because it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And, and so, it, again, it goes back to this problem of people are looking at, I mean, here's what's going on. They're saying, well, we know vaccines are great. And therefore, if we just make everyone get one, it must be better, right? Mm -hmm. And they haven't considered that there's probably 300 variables in that assumption that need to be confirmed before you take that leap from vaccine good, make everyone get one. That, that, that's a, a, a very concerning oversimplification of the process. Exactly, exactly. And I know people these days, uh, government, the president, a lot of people take um, claim, are claiming victory over certain things. And so I, I know you wanna be careful about this, um, but I would like to <laughs> claim victory for, um, for the group of people that came together and decided to support our city workers, our police and firefighters by bringing you in and having you do the amazing job you did. And yes, the city is saying they're dropping the mandate for vaccines and um, you know testing had nothing to do with the, the grievance hearing that you managed to hold their feet to the fire so well at. But um, I don't believe that for a second. I believe um, from what I saw, they were, they were just squirming in their seats. And you really were asking them, like you said, very logical questions that they did not have the answers to. And I think they looked at that and said, wow, how can we uphold these rules and regulations when we can't substantiate our policies? And so, I believe very wholeheartedly that it was because of your excellent work and our support, our community coming together to support that work that 
really shifted their uh, shifted yeah. their policies. Well, here's the way I like to think of it. Um, if 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 your listeners get a chance to watch some of the clips of the hearing and and some of the responses from the health director, um, you will see very some very uncomfortable moments. And and so I like to think if if you watch those clips, it would be very difficult for the city to walk away from that hearing and walk away from that line of questioning and, and go to a separate room and say, hey guys, we're good here. This policy is airtight. I think, I think we're in a good spot with this policy. I, I can't imagine that happening. In, in fact, mm -hmm. I, the only thing I can imagine is, is people going in the separate room after that hearing and going, oh, <laughs> we, there's a few things we hadn't considered here. Right. Like, for instance, whether we would even track if this works. Um, here's, a, here's one example of, of a very uncomfortable question that I think would, would have them thinking more. I mean, the first one, of course, is, and I asked, is this been effective? And they simply said, we have no idea. Um, the other one is I, I asked the Buncombe County Health Director. Um, she said she's been present for a lot of administering COVID vaccines. Um, and I asked her, have you ever seen an adverse reaction to a vaccine? And I mean, I'm not an expert in body language, but <laughs> her response was so unnerved. Mm. And of course she paused and her voice quivered and, but it was very awkward. And I don't know why I, I, I don't know if she's, you know, I don't even know if she's um, um, not telling the truth in that moment, but, you know, she said, not, not, and she really stuttered and took a while, said, not, not recently. Well, and I said, well, what, what, you know, I tried to ask and she kind of got away from it, but, you know, how do, how do you respond to a question like that? And then after the hearing, you, you kind of go, well, yeah, I think we looked pretty good there. <laughs> no, I, I think that, that they knew there were some problems and, and I have to think it had a lot to do with them dropping the mandate a week later. Exactly. Um, well, and speaking of adverse reactions, remember when we met with the firefighters and some of the police prior to all this and m many of their decisions were based on the fact that they had responded. They were the first responders yeah. to people who were having adverse reactions to the injection. And that put in their mind, wait a minute, <laughs> they, they only had their injection two days ago or they're having a heart attack or they're fainting or whatever. And they want me to do this and, and I'm a first responder. Yeah. So I, I, I know this is injecting something totally different but I was just listening to Dr. Lee Merritt the other day who's an orthopedic surgeon and a former Naval commander and she said that you know 70 to 80% of our military are, are fully vaccinated at this point and the Chinese and the Russian armies have not received this injection. So this is a former Naval commander. So that, I don't wanna make any assumptions here. I'm just saying what I've heard. That's well, pretty bizarre. Yeah, and the firefighters, you know, they were not telling stories of two days later. I mean, they're telling stories of 15 minutes, mm, you know, true. like in, in the chair, for the waiting, you know, that, you know, that really thorough scientific medically supported 15 minute waiting period. Right. Um, 
you know, they were responding to someone having a seizure in that chair. Right. Um, an another firefighter responded to his own wife's adverse reaction, they responded as a firefighter, like there was a 911 call and he's going to his own house. Wow. So for these people to <sighs> then turn around and say, oh yeah, safe and effective. Sign me up. They're going to ask some questions. Right. And, and, and thank God they, they, they are asking questions. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the one, one last thing um, I want to point out about what we came together to do and, and what my focus has kind of been throughout this legal action that we're taking. You know, I, I've been pretty clear. I don't expect to legally win in front of a jury necessarily, right? I'm not trying to tell my clients, hey, we got this, right? I, in fact, I'm telling them expect to lose because I don't want their expectations to be high that we will win and, and they will get awarded the money that they should have had if they had not been fired. Um, but more important in this kind of action is drawing a line in the sand for everyone in our community that this, this is where you've gone too far. And, and when you step over this line and you require our first responders and our police and our firefighters, when you require them to get a medical treatment or to submit to these PCR tests that, that are, are almost always false positive. When you do that, we're not okay with that. And, and here's, here's our response. Our response is a lawyer that's gonna ask you really uncomfortable questions for about two straight years. That's our response. And it lets the city know, and it lets people in authority know that there is a consequence to these policies and there's going to be pushback and so the next time they consider a more draconian policy or a more restrictive policy I want in the back of their head I want them thinking about the questions I asked them last time and how mm -hmm. uncomfortable it was for them to say we don't have any data on this mm. I want them thinking about that so that next time they back off a little bit um, and and that, in that sense, it doesn't matter if we win or lose in front of a judge or a jury. We always win when we push back. Expose the truth. And that's good information to share with other communities who want to do, take similar action. Is, you know, we don't have to win, but you're, you're exposing uh, what's going on. And, and that's really important to ask those types of questions. So, uh, I don't know if we can bring this up and if you want to comment on it, but there was uh, a special witness lined up and um, because the hearing was canceled prematurely, um, he wasn't able to speak and right. you may want to be keeping that for future reference uh, and no, not talk share. about it. We can share that. So we, the, in the hearing, the, the city put on their witnesses and, and I got to ask them questions, which was great. Um, before I was able to call any witnesses, the, the, the board basically dismissed our case and shut us down. Um, I had, Dr. Peter McCullough had agreed to testify as an expert witness on, um, you know, the policies that try to prevent the spread of COVID, how best to prevent the spread of COVID, um, the effectiveness of vaccines, you know, I wasn't going to do a, a three hours Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Right. McCullough at the hearing, 
but he certainly is extremely qualified to comment on the effectiveness of the vaccines and the effectiveness of policies like this. And unlike the health director and unlike the human resources director, Dr. McCullough is a savant at citing data yes. and citing studies. And so everything he says is supported with data. And so I was excited for him to testify at the hearing, um, but they, they shut us down. They didn't let him testify. I also had witnesses who were gonna testify. Yeah, I, got an ad I had an adverse reaction from, I'm a firefighter and I had an adverse reaction or I'm a firefighter and I've responded to some seizures from the mm -hmm. vaccine. Um, I had people lined up who are unvaccinated who have um, antibodies proven on a lab report mm. that they have no risk of getting COVID because they have natural immunity. And yet the policy still requires them to get vaccinated or tested. So I had a bunch of witnesses lined up um, that they knew I had Dr. McCullough coming on and I, I think they were not interested in, in turning the, the hearing into a Joe Rogan podcast. I think that's what they were thinking. Yeah. So they, they shut us down pretty quick. Um, but the beauty of being able to appeal this into Superior Court is that we can do all of that in a proper legal setting where the, the judge is not gonna prevent me from asking these kinds of questions. These are right. obviously relevant questions. These are obviously relevant witnesses. So is that what's next? Yeah, the next we are we've already filed the appeal, um, Great. and just yesterday I was working on all of the discovery questions. I'm going to ask the city the the most important one, which they are not going to like, is that I I get to ask the city um, manager who created this policy, the the human resources director, and the fire chief and the police chief. I get to ask for copies of all their emails between each other about this policy. Mm. So if the city manager is emailing the human resources director about this policy, um, I'm entitled to that document in this litigation. Mm -hmm. I know the city's not gonna like that and they're gonna fight in front of a judge to prevent me from getting that. But, but think about this. First of all, I'm entitled to it because it's relevant. It's not attorney client communication, it's relevant to what we're doing. But more importantly, the, the city officials are public servants, right? The, the, these people work for us. And so when they have communication, it's not like the CEO of a company having a private communication with, with a stockholder, right? This is a city public, we, you know, we pay their salaries. Mm -hmm. So we are entitled to know why they're implementing policies and if, and if someone is emailing, you know, we're gonna put in this policy to punish unvaccinated people or anything along those lines, mm. I'm gonna find out. That's um, incredible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm gonna have to fight to get those documents, but I'm looking mm. forward to it. That's great. That's gonna reveal a lot, I'm sure. So how can people, how can people listening uh, find the, actual recording of the hearing so they can see how um, you pursued this with those city officials. Um, so I'm, I can put up, I have the video. It, it's, it's very long and, and you know, legal proceedings are, are really boring. Um, yeah. So it's, it's seven hours long, 
but I'm, I'm putting together a 30 minute kind of um, shortened version of, of the, the really important questions. And, and I'll, I'm going to post that on my website, lakotaardenton.com. And I'll, I'll probably do a little commentary about, you know, here, here's, here's what I'm asking, here's why I'm asking it. And, and you'll get to see the witnesses' responses to my questions. And, and of course, like everything else, I mean, I, I want listeners, I don't want your listeners to take my word for what happened. I don't want them to say, oh, you know, Lakota did X, Y, and Z. Go listen and see for yourself mm -hmm. if you like the witnesses' responses. If, if you think their responses are legitimate and really tell a, a, a full story of what they're doing, that, you, you know, I just want you to have the information so that you know how people, how officials respond when you ask real questions about why they're doing something. So right. it should be on my website within a week. And probably by the time this is put out there, um, people can check that out. That's rdenton.com, D-E-N-T-O-N. Yeah, lakotardenton.com. Lakotardenton, yeah. okay. Okay, and we'll also, um, we'll put this recording obviously up on the Millions Against Medical, um, Millions Against Medical Mandates website, right. mam.org. But also I wanted to tell the this listening audience about what we've done here in Asheville to build collaboration, to build unity, is we've started something called theunityweb.org, which is we brought all the leaders from the local health and freedom organizations, because everybody's doing terrific things, but they're all doing them separately in their own silos. And our power, I believe, is in united action and unification and collaboration. I really think there's so many of us now awakened to what's happening in the world and we need each other. And if we were gonna bring about change, just like we did when we, we met you, Lakota, and we hired you to help with the legal defense of our firefighters and police, that took a whole bunch of people to do that. And I believe that that's the answer moving forward. And so theunityweb.org is a place where all these different groups put their information. Like if they have a, a rally in downtown Asheville next Saturday, it's gonna be on the calendar of theunityweb.org. And it doesn't matter which group is doing it, everybody will be aware of what's happening and we can support each other's events. We can support each other's initiatives. I want our entire community to know what you're doing and the incredible work you're doing and to support it um, and share it. And so that's one way we've, we've helped our community come together in strength and unity is via that website, a newsletter and a calendar that we all share so we can um, keep each other informed, keep engaged, keep active and win this thing. <laughs> and as I said in the beginning, winning has to do with, and I think we've already done a great job with this, but we have far further to go, is helping to shift the public narrative, the way people talk about um, these injections and, and the knowledge of you know, what's in them. And now I've, I'm under the uh, new understanding that Pfizer is again petitioning the FDA to uh, get approval or authorization to give this injection to our six-month-old uh, up to five-year-olds. So um, these are the type of things that we have to block, we have to stand up against, and me doing it alone, you doing it alone, 
is certainly not as impactful as an entire community, an entire county, state, nation, world doing it together. So I, I can't thank you enough for your passion, for your knowledge and expertise, for taking on this defense of our uh, first responders and for doing such an excellent job. And I know everyone is, everyone is gonna support you all the way to the Superior Court of North Carolina. So as you said, even if we don't win, um, the world will know what is going on with these officials and how they're making policies that have no bearing on science and they can't substantiate. So I believe you, you've done a great service for our community. And when this gets out to a wider audience and, and goes viral, hopefully, uh, they'll know that this is the answer. Start local and eventually we'll go global with, uh, with these changes. So thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very, I'm happy to help and I'm very aware that, that small little pushbacks um, can become very big and, and people can be inspired by them and motivated by them and they can see that there's, there's value. I, I think even just six months ago, people were really afraid to speak up and push back. And um, there, there's no reason, there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. But we need to all speak up and push back. And if that means you have an uncomfortable conversation with someone or at a restaurant or at a place of business or with the district attorney or with the county health department, uncomfortable conversations don't have to be bad. It, it's okay to have uncomfortable conversations. It's okay to push back. Just do it respectfully and do it politely and let let those ripples flow out into the world. Beautiful. And as one of my favorite quotes from Bobby Kennedy, if we stand shoulder to shoulder, we can bring them down. So Great. that's what we need to do. Great. Thank Thanks. you so much. Yeah, Dakota. thank you.